Welcome to the Zwift SBS podcast. Zwift is the app that turns indoor training into a game. With structured workouts, training plans and massive online group rides to make your training fun. Because fun is results. Fun is fast. Go to Zwift.com and start your free trial. Bonjour, bonjour, bonjour and uh, welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast uh, for another look at the world of cycling in this time of the COVID-19. Uh, joining me is uh, Dave McKenzie. How are you, Dave? I am well, Christophe. Uh, I've changed rooms. I've been relegated to my daughter's bedroom. My wife's in our bedroom. The kids have demanded that they have the lounge room to themselves. So I needed a quiet space. I've managed to get the, the last room in the house. That's good. Uh, we haven't got a vision this week, uh, but uh, it's good because we've been visiting your house room by room, podcast by podcast. <laughs> well, I'm sort of glad, actually. It's, uh, it's, it's, as I said, it's my daughter, so it's very... Uh, uh, female teenage female like in the background okay so we, i was i was thinking you had a mention or something anyway uh joining us in the podcast uh, this week is tim decker uh tim how are you tim yeah good thanks i'm uh i'm a bit like dave i'm out the back the kids are in the uh lounge room and kitchen area but um yeah we set my work desk up out here and um this is where I've been working for a, for a while now. <laughs> uh, so, Tim, you're the, the head coach uh, of the performance coach of the Cycling Australia. It's been a tough time uh, for everyone and for cyclists as well and track cyclists. We've spoken a lot about the the impact of, of all this on, on track cyclists and especially the uh, anything to do with uh, with the Olympics. How how was how was the reaction when the Olympics were moved from 2020 to 2021? <laughs> a massive shock, to be to be honest. Um, you know, I was probably uh, being a little naive there for a while, um, you know, thinking that no, they won't move the Olympics. They, they can't move the Olympics, you know. That, that will help bring the world together, you know, a big sporting event that happens every four years. Um, and then, you know, each day it just kept mounting. And I think the, the pressure from the, you know, the, the media and the social media resources of how, how much it was growing, it, it just seemed to just seemed to be getting bigger and bigger each um, each day. And um, the, I think the wait was the hardest part, like the wait to, to hear the official news that it was going to be delayed. And then, then on top of that, it was a sigh of, probably a sigh of relief of, you know, it's going to be delayed. Then, then it was like, when's the date going to be, you know? And um, fortunately enough, they've, you know, put it at the same date that it was going to be in 2020, um, but in 2021. What happens now, Tim, then? Because you've you've gone to a, a sudden sort of halt, uh, I guess in proceedings. You guys would have had, I imagine, every day mapped out right up until the Olympic Games, and not just the Olympic Games, right up until that team pursuit. So, were you guys sort of well equipped to suddenly right reboot, reboot the riders, reboot your support staff, and refocus? Or how long did that sort of process take? Yeah, I, I don't think anybody's. Um, honestly, <laughs> ready for that 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 change? Like, um, it, it's not just four months. It's it's the build over the the period between Olympics, and you know you, you're building athletes up within that four years. Um, you've got some existing athletes from the last Olympics. You know, some athletes that see this Olympics as their last their last Olympics, for example, and, you know, might be moving on to a, a different career or a career within cycling. And then you've got, 
yeah, you've got your some of your endurance athletes, for example, you know, want, thinking about the future and and uh, going into road professional cycling. So I, I don't think you could be anyone could be prepared for that. Um, having said that, I think most of the squad have handled it pretty well. And look, I'll probably only speak for the endurance, but um, yeah, most of those have handled it well. Now the initial shock, there was just a time where we had to. Let them. If they didn't want to ride their bike. Well, then you know, don't don't ride your bike at the moment. Just just try and you know take on board what's happening. And then eventually we got to a spot where, um, and and it's where we're at now. And and most of the enduros are in a really good spot. They're actually riding their bike for the love of cycling. Um, you know, so we've we've reset now, and and you know we're working through what our plans might look like towards um 2021 but um they've got a little bit of freedom at the moment which was which was the idea from us and they've they've taken that and you can see that they're you know they're clocking up some good kilometers they're enjoying their riding um you know they're riding either solo or just with one other person and and some uh, are getting a good good volume that they need to get in a good foundation that they need to get in at the moment so the reset has been pretty well so far we we talk we talked a lot actually previously in in, in the different podcasts and stuff we we've done online about the, the the mental health and what the impact all this has mental health. What you're saying to us is maybe this could be actually good because they are getting a bit more freedom in their head and maybe maybe there's some positives that would come out of out of this. Uh, yeah, I think it's a little bit of a potential reset. Yeah, you know the the time span has opened up again. The pressures of the athletes wanting to perform doesn't change, but the way we've approached it is to open their mind up to, hey, right at this point, you need to ride your bike because because that's what you love. That's what you fell in love with when you were young. Like like think back to when you were a kid and you and you just wanted to go for a ride and you didn't care how far it was and you know you enjoyed riding up a hill or down a hill or what were those things that that really kept you or brought you into the sport and. Um, so that's the way we've approached this this part. And um, over the last month, like, you know, we sort of started this at the start of April and we've had a pretty good month of training. Like there's not, not saying they're ready to go and ride a three, you know, 45 TP or whatever, but, but they're in, they're in a good place. They're riding their bike, you know, some, they're, they're challenging themselves. Some, they've been doing some 200 K rides every couple of weeks and, you know, and then they're chasing some Strava segments here and there and they're having a bit of fun and they're loving riding their bike. And I think that's really important at the moment. So I think it's helped just reset and um, take a little bit of pressure off and keep the passion on, I guess. Tim, that's um, that's right up your alley, I'd imagine, having known you for as long as I have. But it's true, though. I say it as a compliment because you rode your bike because you loved it first and foremost. So I'd imagine you'd be pushing that onto the guys and, and girls. But let's just go back now. And I'm interested in your take on this. So the World Track Champs, it wasn't, uh, probably wasn't the results that you guys wanted. I think that's that's fair fair call to say. You would yeah. have loved to have got some more uh, better results out of the World Champs. Didn't To me, it didn't really mean too much in terms of what we were expecting at the Olympics. However, what do you think that now does? Because I'm sure everyone came out of the world champs super hungry to sort of step back up to that 
top step come Olympics. Now yeah. suddenly everyone's had to pause. And I guess I think about, I, I was thinking about it earlier today, Denmark, they rate a 344. If anything, they potentially could be the big loser out of what's happened now because they were hitting their straps. They would have gone home after the world champs. I'd imagine full of uh, motivation, full of morale, and suddenly they've been halted in their tracks. So tell us, just talk to us a little bit about the psychology of that. And pe people don't see this, but he's got a big smile on his face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, look, I'm, I'm not sad about it. That's for sure. Um, well, look, our performances uh, weren't quite where we wanted them to be at the World Championships. And, and you know, we've got to take responsibility for that. I, as a, as a coach, have to take responsibility for that. But I also, we didn't have... A, a very good run into the world championships either i was out of the environment for three months you know cal o'brien had broken his collarbone you know there was there was new equipment that we just got on like you know a couple of weeks before the before the world championship so it was just a for us the world championships was just a dry run of trialing that new equipment and that sort of stuff um to be honest and we we didn't do a full taper into it that was never the plan to do a full taper into it like we would in other world championships or the olympic games having said that i still think our performances could have been better it just didn't didn't come together as well as we liked and um you know you've got to take that on the chin and and i think you're right it it did put a bit of a rocket up everybody and and there was there was probably some real motivation coming out of that but um Now it's a bit of a reset with that real motivation, I guess. Were you were you shocked with Denmark's time? I mean, I think anyone anyone who loves cycling and, and grew up racing track, I mean, it was a phenomenal time, wasn't it? Three forty four. You you might say something we'd never thought. I'd thought of it, but just not at the World Championships. <laughs> so, so, um, so the trajectory in team pursuiting is that, that it'll, it will get down to that, that time and below. But honestly, you know, we were working towards that for the Olympic Games, not the World Championships. Then when you take a Cal O'Brien out of that scenario, you know, we set a target and we didn't quite hit that. If we had to hit that target, we would have got a medal, which would have, you know, would have been a better case scenario in the TP there. But the, the bigger goal was the Olympic Games and getting down, you know, to that time and below. Um, in Tokyo, what's the what's the day to day for you guys now? You know, uh, the roads are closed, yeah, but velodromes are they closed? Can you still train? How, how, what, what's the what's the process on the day to day basis? Yeah, so uh, all the athletes are uh, set up with a gym at their home, pretty basic. So so they're they're utilizing that as as a needs basis. In South Australia, we can train on the road, so um, they're out on the road or doing a bit of ergos with sort of sessions. A couple of the guys, you know, they ran a Zwift session a couple of weeks ago, which is good. So that's getting them interacting with some other people. So day to day at the moment, it's um, we have a, a catch up um, over the phone once a week as a team. Um, you know, and we try and try and, you know, spend close to an hour on the phone together. You know, the first half of it's pretty business-like, get through the, the logistics that we need to get through and that. And then, you know, the next half an hour, I'm just trying to get them to, you know, talk and engage with each other because we're not seeing each other on a daily basis. And then over the last uh, couple of weeks, now that I'm slowly getting a bit of fitness back um, after my injury, 
I've started to ride with one rider every couple of days and catch up with them. So it's giving me a chance to, you know, to catch up with them, see them face to face. We're on the bike, um, you know, so and when you're out riding and you're on the bike with your athlete, they feel a bit more comfortable and you can have a bit more of a, you know, just a, an easier conversation. Um, you know, and we've, you know, we discuss things from, from Berlin, you know, to Tokyo, Tokyo 2021, you know, the, the length of time where they're at now in their, their headspace and all that sort of stuff. So it's been, it's been, well, it's been hard. It's been good that there's been some access. The velodrome has been shut down. Um, so we haven't been on the velodrome. And to be honest, right at this point, it's not an emergency for us to be in there. Probably more of an emergency for the, the sprinters, for example. So when when it reopens uh i could see us doing a bit of a staged return to the velodrome you know with potentially the sprinters uh getting in there first and um getting themselves back up to speed tim as i understand the the budgets operate on a four-year cycle which obviously comes off the back of the olympics each year have you guys i mean we talk about what's going on around in the world and businesses closing down making cutbacks has it affected you guys as a team as a whole yet, the Australian cycling team, in a budget sense? Have you had to sort of, do you have to manage your funds? Will it, will it mean that you might have to go without some things for the next 12 months leading into the Olympics? How do you, how do you manage that? Look, there's been um, some discussions around how our preparation might look. Um, and be a bit more home-based, which I think will obviously has a, an impact on the budget. I think there's also been stuff where people have taken holidays when they're, you know, right now, and, that, and they might not have needed to, but that sort of helps out with the, the overall budget and that sort of stuff. You know, while we're, we're tracking along okay, there won't be room for us to... To, to flaunt it too much. I think we'll have to keep it pretty tight over the next 12 months. And, and look, I, I plan in what we want to do, but then, you know, it's got to go through people like Simon and Paul um, to get the okay. Um, but we just, you know, we've had a few meetings where it's like, listen, think about how you might prepare in Australia. Um, one, because of the potential restrictions, but also two, think about our budget and, you know, why do we need to travel overseas? And, and so just on the back of that, how much do you, would you like to see the guys and girls uh, compete, have competition? Or would you be happy with the predominantly training phase up to the Olympics? You know, how much do you want them to sort of get that sort of, you know, race kilometres under the belt? Yeah, look, I think we can get the uh, race kilometres in Australia, um, providing racing opens up in Australia. <laughs> So if uh, you know we have that good that good block of racing through December, January, Feb, and March, if we can pick what we need through that period, we can that can give us the racing that we need. I think we we probably need to change a little bit of our approach how we how we might um, do. You know, I wouldn't call them trials, but like rehearsals on the track, and we might combine that into say the Australian Track Championships. Um, so it gives gives us a chance to get on a a fast track, you know, good conditions, and um, you know maybe use use one of those days as as a bit of a rehearsal hit out to see where the athletes are at. So we need to 
yes, we need to keep checking in and making sure we're progressing on the right track. But when you think about the athletes that we have, do we need to travel to a World Cup or Nation Cups if they have it? At this stage, in my mind, I'm like... I don't think it's I don't think it's going to be the difference between winning and losing at the Olympics, mm. um, you know, because the World Championships next year they're not in the start of March like they have been in previous years. They're in October now, so they've moved the track World Championships. That they've of done course. a total flip now. They're after the Olympics. They're after the Olympics. Yeah. So I think it's a good thing because that will actually start to help Australia prepare in the same mindset through like a, either an Australian winter or a European summer into a major competition we're very um, accustomed or become very accustomed to is a world championship is always at the end of our summer. We have a block of racing, we have good weather, we have, you know, we have road racing, track racing, we have a lot going on leading into our world championships and and generally we get good performances there to actually shift that to that august you know olympic date or an october world state you know you have to rethink the way you prepare um so i think that move will be really good for australia in the long term you know the 2024s and 2028s and um so forth do do you know what um, the answer is probably no, not entirely, but uh, do you know what other nations are doing? You know, the Team GB, the French, the Germans and and so on. Do, do, do you inspect that as well in how they are coping with this situation right now? No, no. Simple answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say before, I mean, we're probably one of the lucky nations and I guess your athletes are because, as you said, Tim, we can get out on the road still here. A lot of nations yeah. are basically locked indoors on the home trainer. Yeah, that's right. We, we have been pretty, pretty lucky. And you could, I think you could use either to your advantage. So if you were locked indoors, you might change that phase of the prep and say, rightio, for the next three months, we're just going to work on developing power over six minutes, for example, and bring it back to four minutes, you know. So we'll, we'll just be doing ergo sessions and we'll, We'll do three ergo sessions on Swift and then we'll do three where we do specific efforts, you know, and then, you know, when they can get on the road, they might go into a road phase. So it, it depends on the, the coach, the way they look at it. What, you know, you, in, in this scenario, I think it's about adapting and who can adapt to their situation the best and, and who can actually get the, the athletes involved and believing in what they're doing i think that's that's key to the situation that we're in at the moment tim we heard about uh we've heard the uci have made a number of changes with the track calendar over the 12 month period just uh sort of in the last few months i guess i want to pick your thoughts on as a person who's obviously very passionate about track is this an opportunity now with COVID 19 off the back of this i see this as a great opportunity now for the uci to really try and relaunch track cycling. And I think you know where I'm coming from, Tim, in terms of the carnival track racing that we grew up doing. And I know that's not, can be done in every country, but it really has died off. And I think track cycling is such a, a great sport to watch, whether you're there or even as a TV spectacle. So do you see that this is a great opportunity now for the UCI to actually go, okay, let's actually put a little bit more into track cycling. Because let's be honest, They've really put a lot into road cycling and almost forgotten about track as, as a poor cousin in the last probably 10 years, I'd, I'd think. Yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because 
there is no reason why um, track can't be just as much a spectacle as road. I think the the win that road cycling has over track is it's it's easy accessible. Um, so that's for the for the everyday person just to to go out and hop on the road and go for their ride, and then they you know they fall in love with it, and you know now road cycling gets more TV rights or access and that sort of stuff. But when you actually sit down and watch the first, you know, 100 kilometres of some road races, you, you sort of just, it's the anticipation that you're just waiting for something to happen because nothing really is happening, you know. I thought you were going to say you go to sleep. <laughs> I, have, I have been known to do that sometimes. <laughs> wasn't quite going to in that much. <laughs> um, but uh, do you think maybe as well, and this isn't a criticism of the guys and girls because I think it's cause and effect. But do you think maybe we lack the personalities that we had 20 years ago in track? And I say that again, meaning we don't allow the personalities or the UCI don't allow the personalities to shine because they've become so strict on the rules of track racing. Yeah, it's become, it has become very strict and uh, there's, you don't win and uh, people sort of think you've underperformed sometimes. So that has taken that element of the, the showman out of track cycling and it's become, you know, across all sports, they've become a lot more serious and therefore uh, if there is a showman, sometimes it's taken that, that he's not a professional because... <laughs> Because he's not, you know, not giving a hundred percent, or he's, you know, he's just, you know, he's waving to the crowd, and showing off, and that sort of stuff. And I honestly think there's an element of, and the UCI are trying to reinvent um, track cycling a bit. So they've, you know, they've gone to Nation Cups, and then they're going to have these TV staged um, yeah, track true. cycling classics. Yeah. So, so they are making an attempt. Yeah. But but it's the attempt that needs to happen also underneath that to make sure that we're still attracting the juniors into the early seniors that they're putting into track cycling in their countries as well so that there's carnivals in their country. And then, you know, there's the top tier of world championship track cycling classics and nation cups, for example. So like I said, the, the bigger challenge is it's easier just to go and do road um, track can become very elitist, um, you know, because you've got to be selected for a squad, a state mm. team and that sort of stuff. And, and you could potentially open that up a little bit more. You can go to the Australian road championships and anyone can enter 200 people enter, you know, and very good point. Very good one, point. That's true. One, you know, one or two people are going one or two laps, but they paid $150 for that entry to do their one or two laps. And they got to ride with, Dave McKenzie or, you know, Simon Gerrans or... Um, I, like, I like the sound of Simon Gerrans better than Dave McKenzie. <laughs> Maybe 20 years yeah, ago, well, but... <laughs> it was many years ago, back then, but, <laughs> but... But that's the way, you know, yeah, they still... True. They would still like to, if you were in that, um, that position now, they would still like to ride with you and that would be something that they'd aspire to. On the track, it's like, oh, you, you can't do that unless you get selected or... You can't do that unless you race at a at a carnival. So it's a bit of to and froing, and you know there's a bit of tug of war that constantly goes on. I think. 
Is the, is the material that you use as well a, a bit of a, you know, not making it so easy access? The price of a, a track bike is not necessarily the price of a bike just around the corner here. Yeah, there's an element of that, but you can get, you can get, you don't have to have the the real expensive stuff for track, but I guess, um, yeah. I was also making a link for myself actually on this. In terms of the material, you guys have selected a certain type of bike for Tokyo. You've, you were pretty set on a certain technology. One year is a lot of time in technology. Uh, are you still looking in progressing, uh, making your model change? Is that still going on? It's not. I don't think it's possible um, because the UCI... Uh, have a list of all the equipment that you had to register. So that's that's not changing. You can't. And change that's that. not changing now. So that date right. has closed, and it's not reopening. So all the only thing it does is opens up more access for people to be able to go and buy um, somebody else's, you know, front wheel or frame or, for example. So. Um, that's where the door probably opens over the the longer period of time. So, you know, so anyone, we should be able to go and buy, you know, uh, GB's track bike if we wanted to, Um, not that we want to. Um, They they wouldn't be cheap, I wouldn't think, either. No, they're not. not. (laughs) That that budget thing really hit us there. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's what, what opens up now. The door opens up to everybody being able to, and, and it's probably the way it way it should be. I mean, it'd be quite boring, but it'd be interesting if everybody at the world at the Olympic Games, you know, had to ride the same same bike and same wheels, for example, yeah. and the same skin suits were handed. It'd be quite boring because it'd probably take out the um, you know all the work behind the scenes that people do to try and improve technology and that. But what it would do is bring you back. So who is the best group of athletes and who have been coached the best, who's got the best turn strategy. You know what I mean? It'd really come back to that. Yeah, um, don't, I don't think your engineers would be too happy. They'd be without a job. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe all the, all the best engineers in the world should just get together and design one of the ultimate bike for every Olympic. So. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, Tim. It was uh, brilliant talking to you today. No worries. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Good luck for the next 12 months. Thanks, Michael. See ya. And, Michael, you stay, uh, you stay on the line because we're going to talk NRS now, our local scene uh, of cycling on the road. Uh, and we've got Matilda Reynolds with us. Hi, Matilda. How are you? Hi, Tim. Thanks for having me. Uh, so the NRS is moving online, like pretty much everything these days. How does that feel about thinking that you uh, you guys are going to race a lot of uh, you know local races online on Zwift? Yeah, I think it's um, look. The other the other option to that is not racing at all at the moment. So the NRS had um, the official on the road series has been um, moved until at least September um, is the first proposed um, event to come back on the road. And so Swift have given us an opportunity to keep racing uh, in a virtual world uh, until then. And 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 look, it's it's definitely better than than nothing at the moment. And I think it's a great opportunity. Um, to, to, to keep training, to see where we're at, to see our teammates uh, virtually and, and everyone else. And I guess just to reconnect with that community and also give the fans something to, to, to watch and, and engage in at the moment. How's, uh, how's your indoor form, Matilda? 
Look, uh, it depends if I um, take my weight at Tour Down Under or my COVID weight. So it's uh, I'm not sure if I'm willing to jump on the scales yet. But uh, what's, what's happened to your COVID weight? I uh, just I don't want to know. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> but um, look, yeah, we are a little bit. You know, we all have been in isolation. But Zwift is a at the end of the day, it is a gaming portal. Um, that the, and there are some different tricks and and and, and approaches. There's different. You know, you earn points along the way or you, you use uh, feathers and burritos and trucks. And if you've never been on Zwift, this sounds ludicrous, but, you, you know, that's that, that's that world. And so I think the more you do it, the better you, uh, you get with it in terms of race tactics. And that's just the same on the road. And so I have gotten a little bit better and on Zwift and, and online. And I think we, we did it last year and I think you've just got to take it for what it is. It's not... You know, if you get dropped within the first uh, 50k, uh, uh, you know, 3k's, there's no need to hand in your pro card just yet. Um, there is a few different tricks and methods to it, but yeah, we'll soon find out. But I'll try not to get too uh, too worked up on it if it's not. I don't get the result I'm after. How do you keep the the motivation uh, when you are on your own in your own room? You're not in a peloton. You're not in a pack. How do you keep your, your motivation while racing? It does get a bit ridiculous when you do finish the race and you're on your back and breathing through every orifice and, uh, and your heart rate's through the roof that you're just by yourself in a dark room and there's no one there cheering. But yeah, it is quite amazing how quickly engaged you get in the race and, and that the, the, the racing tactics and instincts turn on straight away when you do see people riding away from you or, or you know that there's a leaderboard and and so there's not it's not it's not um really too hard to get into the mood of having to race you usually go into it thinking oh, i'll just see how i go and then suddenly it's a bit like those coffee rides that go from an easy easy pace to an all-out ftp pretty quickly um so yeah it's it, it, it you've seen some of the data already with the pros it's some of their hardest training sessions are happening on these with races at the moment what about the slipstream matilda because i know i think in the virtual flanders race the riders weren't able to get any slipstream on the wheel will you be able to do this in Zwift? yeah that and the slipstream it is worth noting macker is that it's a lot it's a lot greater in this in in Zwift than it is probably on the road so there is a few tactics on getting away with the group because more than likely that group will stay away early on because um, because that Zwift Street is about 30% um, as opposed to what it is on the road. Um, so it is it is worthwhile having some mates and, and putting in the effort to stay with that group because it is very difficult um, to find them again in, in the virtual race. So Something tells me someone's done a, a research a little bit. No, well, we, we, we did, uh, we had the SRAM series last year and man, I was, I, I got dropped so many times and so quickly. Um, I think at the end of the day, it's just a great opportunity to, um, to race and to take it, to take what it is though. It is a virtual world and, you know, a lot of the people that did win on those whiff races weren't necessarily winning on the road when the NRS season did come back. But it's a great, again, like to see all of our teammates out there um, to give something back to our sponsors who are continuing to support us during this time where they're not getting a huge amount of return. And I think just to be um, out there and having a bit of a goal and objective for the day. And look, yeah, the training has been a little bit challenging because we don't know when necessarily when, when we'll be racing again. And look, no one necessarily needs to be fast right now. The season's not going to get up and going, as I mentioned, potentially from September onwards. So 
yeah, I think just take it for what it is. And if you're not pinging in May, that that's going to be okay. But it's still just a great opportunity whether you get dropped in the first 3K or make it to the finish. Do you know how, um, how long uh, some of the courses are going to be and what the courses are going to be like? Yeah, I think they're going to change it each, each round. So there's six rounds and there's going to be from anywhere from, you know, 12 kilometres to um, over 30 kilometres. It's, it's not going to be huge. And I think that really plays into being quite an entertaining race for people who may be watching. So I think they'll try to play it into people's different strengths and weaknesses. So keep, there'll be a flat course you know, they go around to different worlds and different courses and look at the end of the day, it really is a power to weight ratio. You, you know, if you have a really strong watts per high watts per kilo, then you're going to do really well um, in this form of racing and there's not too much else to it other than that. So yeah, that for, for the Helia courses, uh, I'll probably struggle a little bit more than, than say some of the really featherweight races. But yeah, there might be a few flatter courses where we could get away. Are you taking some uh, some lessons, uh, Michael? Because I know you are about to, uh, in the next couple of months, uh, embrace some uh, some race across uh, uh, America. Are, are you are you listening? Oh, mate, I've got my pen and I'm jotting down notes as we speak. But but mine will be mate, mine will be at snail's pace for about twelve days. So uh, Matilda, pl please feel free to join me on the um, race across America uh, in June if you like. I'm sure you'd love to. Um, spend you know 15 hours a day on an indoor trainer yeah no it may maybe in the first two weeks of covid uh maca but i <laughs> that's not yeah it's not too inspiring at the moment but yeah i think um yeah it's look it's it, it that's going to be very a huge different challenge i think that mental challenge on on what you're looking to do there uh is going to be your, your biggest your biggest piece you know what I'm getting, Christoph? I'm not getting the vibe from anyone that I'm doing something <laughs> really inspiring here. I'm looking for motivation from uh, current pros, elite riders, and actually just anyone to give me some inspiring words. No one's doing it. Do you know what? Do you know what, Michael? You'll prove them wrong. You'll prove them wrong. <laughs> so you're on my Macca, side. If you can, like, while you're there, learn the guitar, a new, you know, a language, like something else that you can take out of it. I don't know. Just telling the grandkids that that's what you did. Uh, yeah, it might need a few other a few other levels to it. <laughs> well, my own two kids think I'm crazy. They think I'm completely mad. So maybe I am. I don't know. Cool. F thanks, Matilda. Yeah. No. Thanks so much, guys. Good luck with it all, and thanks for checking in. Thank you. Thanks, Matilda. And now, Maka, uh, we're still going to talk NRS, uh, but we got Pat Shaw on the line. Hey, Pat, how are you? All good, guys. Good to hear from you. It's good that you guys have continued to work out a way to cover cycling during this incredibly bizarre period of time it's really bizarre and then uh, i i understand that you are going to be calling the nrs series i know by fact that you've been a, an advocate of the nrs series uh, for a long long time uh, and the nrs series is moving online well yes it is on the platform of zwift um, and which you guys know from the last 24 months how much i've really been a big supporter of zwift and its development of riders that participate in the real life national road series so to see it go on to uh, virtual uh, national road series i think it's a natural progression and i think that they probably long term can coexist what's your gut feeling pat on how it will go in terms of will we see riders pop up on the virtual racing that you potentially would not see at all in the real life national road series or will we see, you know, sort of similar riders? Will we see a similar sort of podium across the board? 
That's that's a great point, Macker. And uh, what we have seen is certainly something to that effect. Okay, we're not going to see guys that were losing 12 minutes in the National Road Series in real life now winning in Zwift. That's not going to happen. But certainly your fringe players, uh, Zach Johnson, he's a, a perfect example. He's really strong in uh, the Zwift platform, but probably struggles a little bit in uh, bunch races, uh, probably from experience more than anything. I can see him continue to develop in real-life racing, but certainly on the Zwift platform, he is one of the one of the riders to really watch. On the other hand, you guys like Ben Hill, Nick White, uh, uh, they're going to still be really high performers on Zwift as well in real life. So the, the riders that we see uh, that are right up there in the pointy end top 10s all the time in the National Road Series, they're going to be competitive. Uh, but there are certain types of riders um, one rider we're speaking a lot about at the moment is Joe Cooper. Yeah, he's one of the older statesmen of the National Road Series, but by rights, Zwift should suit him right down to a T. We just spoke to, to Matilda Reynolds uh, a few minutes ago, and she was mentioning that uh, the only problem with the, the situation at the minute is the, the pros might not need to go too fast right now in part of their training for the, the next season. So therefore, we shouldn't hang it out too much on the, some pros that might not make it through to the, to the end of the NRS series. Yeah, look, there's a few things to keep in mind. It is a different environment and it's something, it is a game. It is a game. And like any game, there's ways in which the rules of engagement are different, Macca, for example. Yeah, on the road, you know, you can draft, you can be faster through a corner. That's not going to help you too much in this series. What we will see is impressive numbers across the board and riders that, as you said, potentially tactically don't stand out in real-life racing will turn out in a physiological sense in this series. And I see it as a really golden opportunity for probably the riders that don't corner so well at this point in their career but certainly have the chance to say, beat some of the best riders in Australia and then show people that, look, I haven't got the experience yet, but I really have got talent. And if you give me a shot and nurture me in the right way, maybe I can be your money ball guy. You've just, you have literally just summed up what I was going to probably ask you, Pat, but let's delve into this a bit more. This I see now as a great sort of, talent ID search, if you like, a sort of breeding ground to unlock and find those athletes that potentially have massive VO2s, massive talent, but as you say, struggle riding in bunches. This this could be a big opening for cycling, correct? 100%. And I think that if you're even uh, some of the European teams, you would be naive and ignorant not to be watching these series on Swift. Okay. I will be first to go out and say that some of the results can be disregarded because those athletes are either probably a little bit too old or too late to develop in that regard of cycling. It's not the easiest part of the sport to develop, uh, the cornering and, and judgment calls on the road. That's the hardest part of the sport. But certainly there's an envelope there for the younger athletes to really leverage off this uh, series. And as teams, certainly gives you an opportunity to pick up some riders a rider that really impresses me on Zwift in the under-19 category is certainly Dalton Stretton. He's only a first year in the under-19s, relatively unknown, but he does really perform well on the Zwift platform, showing that his power to weight's really good, but he's still got a lot of development to do physically in, say, crosswind sections. You're not exposed to that on Zwift, but as you know, with age and also maturity, those things will come naturally. 
So to answer your question, I, I'll go back to it and say, you're ignorant and naive as a director sportif or a team manager to be disregarding these races. In terms of the, the, the racing itself, uh, and just to conclude this podcast, you mentioned a few names, but uh, men, women, who should we watch for? Uh, well, the full start list will be released soon, and we want to keep the palette a little bit wet so people are interested. <laughs> He's not going to give it away. He's not going to give it away, is he? <laughs> with 17 teams in the men's and seven in the women's, there is a significant field that is going to really race hard. We've got to remember that the, the amateur side of the sport is probably one of the most exciting. They're always wanting to race. Normally, a lot of the Melbourne-based riders are racing three days a week, and now they're not racing at all. So uh, I would look to riders like Ben Hill, uh, Nick White, Liam White, Cameron Roberts, um, trying to think of some others that really spend a lot of time on Zwift. In the women's side, uh, it, last year's, SRAM Sendit Series really showed us the potential of what the National Road Series women's racing can do. I actually think their series will be more entertaining. It's um, certainly more tactical too. Uh, so maybe Anna Booth, she's been doing a lot on Zwift. Uh, we see uh, Anya Lowe from Tasmania. She's been on quite a lot lately. And last weekend, we saw over a thousand riders registered for the Anzac Day ride. So there's going to be plenty of people in good form. I think you've got to tune in on Saturday, live feed, 9am for the women, 10am for the men, and it's going to be well worth a watch. There we go. He said it all. Thank you, uh, thank you Pat. And uh, surely we'll see you online on Saturday. Great to see you guys. And this was uh, the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Maka, that was, a, that was a big one, actually, this time. Oh, it certainly was. A little bit of everything. I love it. I think, tell you what, I'm settling into this lockdown phase. This is pretty good. Don't get too comfy. I'm sure we'll get you moving. Uh, remember, you got this uh, series in the US to do for us. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> Thank you, Maka. Uh, this was the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash central or log a ride with our friend at Zwift. Swift, until next time, it's bye for now. Before we go, a quick shout out to Zwift, the app that turns indoor training into a game. Getting started on Zwift is easy. You just need your bike, a trainer, and your PC, Mac, or Apple device. Zwift offers training plans, interval workouts, and a global community. Get strong and get motivated with every ride. Give people a ride on and you're sure to get one back as together you enjoy the massive benefits of social indoor training. Go to Zwift.com today and start your free trial.